Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. The modern world has uh, a Goldilocks complex. Uh, don't, don't try to Google that because I'm, I'm pretty sure I just made that up. Um, the, the, like the little girl in the story of the three bears, we want everything just right. Don't we? We want it just right. Our culture seems to be obsessed with balance. We hear people talking about a proper work-life balance. Uh, we, we hear people who are looking for a leader who is strong but also kind, right? Who is smart but not arrogant. People are looking for a church that's engaging but not shallow. People want to be fit, but they also want to have fun. Like, people want to be healthy, but they also want hamburgers. I thought I'd get at least an amen on that one right there, right? Everybody seems to be looking for that perfect balance of everything. And I I think there's probably some wisdom in finding balance. There's nothing wrong with the concept of balance per, per se, but there are some things in life in which you do not want to find balance, being, being called balanced is generally a compliment, but there are some areas in which we need to be boldly and unapologetically unbalanced. So today, I'm going to start a brand new series called Unbalanced. Unbalanced. And I would have you look at your neighbor and say, I'm unbalanced, but that just didn't seem like a good thing to do. I'd be like unintended consequences there, so... Don't say that right now. Um, Here's what I mean when I say unbalanced. Some things need to be all the way to one side, right? They either need to be on or off. They either work or they don't. To find balance in some areas would be to negate the effectiveness of that area of your life. Uh, For example, how many of you like clean water? So the other half of you are opposed to clean water. Do you like clean water? What if somebody, in an effort to bring balance into your life, in an effort to keep you from getting too far out there, you know, with the clean water thing, offered you some water that had been balanced uh, with sewer water? Any takers? Anybody like, yum, like, I'll take a quart? Nobody. Of course not. If it's balanced with sewer water, it's not clean anymore, right? Some things are, by definition, exclusive. They're either all the way or they're not. Like There's no middle ground. And the effort to balance it negates the effectiveness and the purpose of clean water in the first place, right? There are some things in your life that you're not looking for balance. You're not looking for diluted. You're not looking for compromised. You're not, you, you're, what you're looking for is committed. You're looking for full strength. You're looking for unbalanced sometimes because unbalanced is the only thing that works in some cases. And to move towards balance would render it ineffective. 
So over the next couple of weeks, uh, I want to talk about a few areas of our spiritual lives that we need to live completely and totally and unashamedly unbalanced. Unbalanced. Now, next week, Pastor Jay is going to preach the second message in the series. Today, we're talking about unbalanced faith. Unbalanced faith. Now, the Bible talks about faith in a couple of different ways. There are two different meanings, two different contexts of the word faith. They're related, but they're not the same thing. Now, one of the classic ideas, uh, definitions of faith is defined in Hebrews 11 and 1. And in the King James, it says this, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is what allows you to believe God for a salvation that you can't see. It allows you to believe for an answered prayer that you can't see, for a solution that you can't see, for a deliverance that you can't see, for a healing that you can't see. Faith allows you to believe God for a heaven, for an eternity, for a God that you can't see. And we'll talk more about that kind of faith in just a minute. But the other kind of faith refers to the collection of all the things we believe. You've probably even said that you are of the Christian faith, right? You're the Christian faith. You aren't talking about a single thing that you're believing God for, but you're talking about everything that has to do with what we believe to be true, spiritually speaking. Now, here's how it's used in that way. In one place, in Jude, uh, the third and the fourth verses of Jude. There's no chapter because there's only one chapter. Uh, Look at verse 3. Let's go back to verse 3 if we can. Can we do that? One moment, please. It can be done. If I, like Jordan, it's just too much for me to remember. If I could have memorized it, I would have. Jude chapter 3 in the New Living Translation. And I can read it here if I need to. Normally what happens is by the time I find it, it pops up. There we go. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Now let's look at verse 4. Jude verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Jude said we have to contend for the faith. We have to fight for what we believe. You say, yeah, that's right. we got to fight against all those sinners out there who are trying to take away our faith. We're fighting this culture war. No, that is not what he's talking about. We are not at war with the people of the world. As a matter of fact, those people are our mission. We're not fighting them. We have to pursue them. We're not at war with them. We're fighting against principalities and powers and the rulers of, of, of the wickedness of this world, but not with the people of the world. The fight that Jude is talking about is a fight for our faith inside the walls of the church. We, the, the people who have wormed their way into the church with false doctrines. 
What does that even mean? It means they're not going to come head on against the things that we teach from inside the church. They're just going to try to balance out our commitment to the truths of the word with some logical, some logical sounding, ear tickling, crowd attracting lies of the devil. Because there are some things that sound true that just aren't true. There are some things that sound spiritual that just aren't found in this book right here, right? So so they're going to come in with that thing, and they're going to push back against an either-or kind of gospel, and they're going to offer more of a both-and kind of option instead. So it would be like, go ahead and believe in in the teachings of Jesus. That's good. But let's also look at this other spiritual teacher as well. And be oh let's 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 continue to study Christianity, but let's explore these other religions as well. And it's happening in pulpits and in small groups and in Sunday school classes all over the country right now. Listen to me very carefully. I am not a conflict kind of guy. I hate conflict. I, I like finding a way to pull everybody together, all the sides, so that everybody can get along and everybody can be happy and everybody can agree on some common ground. But listen, there are some things that are just too important to compromise on. Some things really are either right or wrong. And our Christian faith has to be unbalanced. There is no room for blending in any other set of beliefs. There's no room for balancing out our beliefs with anything else. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. It was Jesus then. It's Jesus now. It will be Jesus forever. The the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John says He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It says He is the only way to get to the Father. You have to come through Jesus, His one and only Son. If you start to include something else, it's no longer Christianity. Listen, the doctrines that we hold, the doctrines that that we preach, the messages that we preach should be balanced with the whole counsel of God, right? We should study, we should rightly divide the word of truth, we we should thoroughly vet everything that we say. If we say, it scares me to death, if I say this is what the Lord says, the Lord better have said that. But our faith, should not be balanced with anything else, with any other system of, of belief. It, it shouldn't be diluted. It shouldn't be polluted. It shouldn't be mixed or mingled. Either the blood of Jesus is enough or it's not. Listen, what, what kind of cruel, weak God would send His Son into the world, make His Son go through the things that Jesus went through, And it's still not be enough to save you. Jesus is more than enough. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Timothy. He came to the end of his life. He went through everything you can imagine a person going through. And he said, I know in whom I've believed. And I am convinced that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until the day that he returns. So hear me clearly today. You don't need Jesus and Buddha. You don't need Jesus and Muhammad. You don't need Jesus and your horoscope. You don't need Jesus and a medium. You don't need Jesus. 
Jesus and Wicca. Listen, you don't need Jesus and good vibes. You don't need Jesus and positive thoughts. You don't need Jesus and nothing. You just need Jesus. You just need Jesus. Unbalanced. If your belief in Jesus needs to be balanced with belief in some other God, you don't have a faith. You've got a fraud. And it's time for the people of God to wake up and to stand up and say, listen, you can believe what you want to. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. And if the choice is between the solid rock or balancing things out with sinking sand, I've already made up my mind. I'm going to the rock. I'm going to the rock. The only faith that's saving faith is an unbalanced faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's one kind of faith. Here's the other kind of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anybody who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. In the NIV, it says this. In the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. You can't come to God without faith. You can't please God without faith. You can't experience the righteousness of God without faith. So it would be really hard to overstate the importance of maintaining and prioritizing your faith. Not just the Christian faith. Not just the great set of beliefs that are associated with Christianity. But your own personal faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. You could say a great big old heartfelt amen to the stuff that I just preached about, an unbalanced Christian faith, and not even be a Christian. If you're a student of the Word, like if you've just read the book for what it says about itself, then you know that the, and, and you know what the Bible claims to be about itself, then you know the Bible claims to be the exclusive path to God. When he says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, the only way to get to the Father, that means to the exclusion of everything else. There are not multiple paths to the same God. There is one. His name is Jesus. He is the gate. He is the path. He is the way. And you don't have to believe that to understand it. You don't have to believe it to know that's what the book says. It, it, it's an honest, you just have to be honest, it's an honest academic reality. That is what the book says, that is orthodox Christianity. It doesn't require you to believe it, just requires you to read it and understand it. That's an academic reality. Here's a spiritual reality. You must be born again. If you want to receive salvation, if you want to receive forgiveness of your sins, if you want to enter into an eternity with Jesus... 
And the only way that you can be born again is through faith. Faith. And unbalanced faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Look at what this says. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that nobody can boast about it. We are saved by grace. That means God didn't have to do it. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. He offered it because he's good, because he loves us, and and, and by his grace. But the only way to receive that gift of God is through faith. You have to believe it and receive it for yourself. It has to be an unbalanced, all-in kind of faith. You can't claim to depend on Jesus for salvation and then have some other form of religion on the side. You can't claim to depend on Jesus for your salvation, but then secretly intend to try to earn your way to heaven through good works. As Martin Luther said, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the very definition of a completely unbalanced faith. But it's the only kind that will save you. Let me ask you this. I don't care how long you've been in church. That's not what I'm talking about. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? It's not the same thing. I'm not asking you if you think the Bible is right. I'm asking you, have you Receive Christ as your Lord, your Master, as the only path to righteousness, as the only path to forgiveness. Have you confessed that you're a sinner? Have you repented of your sin? That is a very different question than do you believe the Bible to be true? That is a very different question than do you go to church on Sundays? Should you go to church? Absolutely. Should you believe the Bible to be true? Absolutely. But it ain't the same question. Before you walk out these doors today, you make sure you've answered that question. Because no other question in your life is more important than that one. According to the scriptures that we just read, we're not only saved by faith, we're not only made righteous by faith, But now we have to live by faith. You were saved to follow Jesus and to become more and more like him. You were saved to become the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs to know him. That means he's going to tell you what to do through his Holy Spirit. He's going to show you what to do through His Word, and He's going to expect you to do what He tells you and what He shows you because He is now the Lord and the Master of your life. The kind of faith that God is calling us to is an unbalanced faith. You can't half do it. It's either faith or it's not. Partial uh, Partial obedience is disobedience. You're either trusting Him or you're not. There's no room to balance it out with its opposite. Now, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to answer out loud, but we have to ask, what is the opposite of faith? And I know conventional wisdom says that the opposite of faith is fear, and fear always shows up when, when you have to make a decision about faith. 
But I think it's only part of the answer. I think it's only part of the answer. I'm not sure that fear and faith are opposites because fear and faith can coexist in the same space. And a person still follow God's plan completely. There have been many times in my life that I have walked in faith absolutely scared to death. As a matter of fact, pretty much every time I've stepped out in faith, I've been completely scared to death while I did it. In the book of Judges, Gideon, who I relate to so much, Gideon took many steps of faith before he ever got to the battle that God was preparing him for, but he was still so scared. After all the things that God had done, he was still so scared that the night before the battle, God said, hey, would you like to just kind of sneak in here and listen and just get one more confirmation? He was like, absolutely. No, you got to sneak in the enemy's camp. I don't care. I need to know one more time that this is good. He was scared enough to risk his life to get one more confirmation, but he still did exactly what God said to do. You, you don't think Peter had some butterflies as he swung his leg over the outside of the boat? You don't think the Israelites didn't worry about what might happen if the walls of Jericho didn't fall down? Because they're kind of all in at that point. Fear is a natural emotion. As long as you don't let it control you, fear won't stop you from living a life of faith. So if fear is not the opposite of faith, what is the opposite of faith? I think the opposite of faith is pride. It's pride. Pride is the opposite of faith. Let me show you what I mean. Faith is complete dependence upon God and His wisdom and His plan and His strength and His resources. Right? Pride. So, so you get you, hidden things you can't see. You, you, that's all about faith, right? Pride is dependence upon yourself and upon your wisdom and upon how smart you are and how connected you are and how much resources you have. It's about leverage, leveraging the things you can see and you can control and you can manipulate. And those two things are opposite. You cannot do something your way and God's way at the same time because they're going in two different directions they are they are not compatible you cannot balance the two because they cancel each other out there's a math lesson in there somewhere all right what did what did proverbs 3 and 5 3 5 and 6 say trust in the lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding he doesn't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and then, and then balance it out with the things you understand. He said, don't do it. Why? Because they're opposites. You can either trust in the Lord or you can lean to your understanding, but not both. If you're going to walk in faith, it has to be an all-in kind of faith. It has to be all faith. It can't be some of God's way and some of your way. Why? Because our arrogance is offensive to an all-knowing, all-powerful God. Sometimes I drive a school bus. Sometimes the kids on my bus offer me advice. Uh, and they give me directions and they offer me advice about how to drive. And I've told a bunch of them. 
Listen, if I need advice about driving this bus, I'm not asking a seven-year-old. You can't even see over the steering wheel, right? I am not listening to you tell me how to drive a bus. Imagine the audacity of somebody telling God that they can improve upon his plan. Imagine the audacity of telling God that you'll, hey, God, that was a good idea starter. Good job. Now I'm, I'm going to start with your idea, and then I'm going to finish it out with some ideas of my own. Walking in faith is not about inviting God to join your team. You ain't got a team. And if you do have a team, God ain't joining your team. He's the God of the universe. He don't join teams. You either follow him or you don't. And it's not up for a vote. He's not looking for a partner. There's no room for compromise. Following Jesus requires unbalanced faith. The reality is you can't live by faith but walk in pride. You can't live by faith but walk in pride. Let me show it to you. Matthew 18. This is what Jesus said. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? (laughs) Listen, by the very virtue of the fact that they asked that question, they already got the wrong answer. Verse 2, Jesus called a little child to him, put the child among him. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never even get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, forget about, forget about being the greatest. You can't even get in to the kingdom of heaven unless you repent and you become like a child. What, like what, what aspect of being a child is, is he talking about? Well, he tells us in the next verse. Look at verse 4. Jesus said, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about humility. Humility is the key. To the kingdom of heaven. Pride blocks access and prevents progress in the kingdom of God. Pride blocks access and prevents progress in the kingdom of God. You cannot walk by faith and live and walk in pride, excuse me, and live by faith. Pride doesn't balance faith, it destroys it. You have to walk in unbalanced faith, and that requires humility. Say, so John, but what about this fear? What about the fear that I feel uh, w- w- that opposes me when I start to step out in faith? What, where's the, what about the fear? Because it's obviously there. Pride expresses itself most often in a need for control. I'm going to say that again. Pride expresses itself most often in my life and probably in your life in the need for control. Pride's not always an arrogance thing. There are some people who think they're better than you, right? There are some people who who think they're the smartest person in the room and blah, blah, blah. And nobody likes those people, okay? Nobody. As a matter of fact, they don't even like themselves, honestly, if you want to get down to it. But but that's not what I'm talking about. Usually pride shows up in, this, in, in the fact that you always have to be in control. 
Take it from a recovering control freak. I did not say recovered, past tense. God is working on me. Control is a, is a facade. There's, you're not in control. You've never been in control. You, you still aren't in control, even when you're not following Jesus. The enemy just lets you think you're in control because it feeds your pride, and your pride keeps you away from God. You're like, John, I don't know about that. Look at, look at the book of James. James said, God resists the proud. That's James 4 and 6, I think. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're, if you're walking in pride... You can't be living by faith because God is actively resisting you. When you're being pressed to follow God, when you have a decision to make about whether you're to follow faith or do something else, then, then you're, you're, uh, you're no longer in control. If it's God's plan, God's way, God's timing, you're not in control, and that scares you to death. That's where your fear shows up. Fear of failure. What if I follow God and I fail? Fear, fear of looking foolish. Same thing. What if I go all in with God and this thing don't work out right? Fear of being wrong. Fear of being uncomfortable. Oh, this, I don't know if I can, this might be uncomfortable. I might have to do something I don't want to do. Listen to me. You will have to do something you don't want to do if you follow Jesus. Let's go ahead and get used to it. Get, get ready for it. That's the, way, that's the only way it works. Your pride will use fear to control you and talk you out of following Jesus wholeheartedly or try to get you to negotiate with the Lord about how this is going to work. Don't listen to your fear. Don't listen to your pride. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. And His path is always better than your path. So listen, when God says it, believe it. When he says to, to, to do it, go do it. Even if you can't see it, even if you don't understand it, even if you can't control all the variables, you've got to have an all-in, unbalanced kind of faith. If you, if you can trust Jesus with your eternal soul, why not trust him with all the other stuff too? Like what's more important than your eternal destination? And we go all in with Jesus about that, but he got ideas about how we live. We're like, yeah, I don't know about that. You trust him with the most important thing in the universe, you ought to be able to trust him with all the other stuff too. So in all of the New Year's resets that we do at this time of the year, all the reevaluations, as you start into a time of prayer and fasting, Ask God to reveal your true motives. Okay? Before you start trying to leverage God to get the things you think you need, try asking Him to reveal to you your true motives. I, I, one of my frequent prayers is, God, there's something going on in my life. There's something that's not, if there's some hidden sin, there's some pride, there's whatever in my life, God, reveal it to me before you have to reveal it in me. Ask Him to show you your true motives. Ask Him to show you the areas in which pride might be trying to raise its head in your life. You'll be amazed 
I am constantly amazed, amazed as I constantly ask God to show me pride so that I can get rid of it. I am constantly amazed at how much of what I am inclined to do has nothing to do with God and everything to do with me. Pride is the enemy. So ask the Holy Spirit to search it out and destroy it in your life. Faith pleases God. Pride destroys lives. Pride destroys careers. Pride destroys churches. Pride destroys ministries. Pride destroys marriages. Pride destroys friendships. Pride destroys everything it touches. Run from it like the plague because it is a plague in your life. But faith is what leads to righteousness. Faith is what leads to victory. Faith is what leads to abundant life, abundant fruit in your life. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what leads you to everything good and right and eternal. So don't try to balance your faith with pride or with your thoughts or with your ways or anything else. Follow Jesus with your whole heart today. The disciples asked, they asked Jesus, increase our faith, Lord. <laughs> increase our faith. That's, that's a prayer he'll answer. He'll answer that. He's going to send you to the Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He's going to send you to your knees to repent and to be quiet and listen instead of talk. Your faith increases when you learn to do all of that and your pride starts to melt away ask God to help you develop an unbalanced faith today y'all stand with me please I believe that where two or three are gathered in any particular place, the Lord is there. Right? Because that's what He said. And it don't matter whether I believe it or not. If He said it, it's true. Okay? But I believe it. And He shows up in different ways every time, he's, every time He does show up. There's something going on this morning in the Spirit. And I don't want you to miss it. Okay? God wants to do something in your life. He wants to help you walk in faith. He wants to set you free from pride. He wants to set you free from fear and control and all the other stuff that's going on in your life. And it may be the fact that you are passionate about pursuing Him through 21 days of fasting or through these New Year's resets or whatever it is, but there's something going on in the Spirit today. Don't miss what He's trying to do. So in this sacred moment right here, while God is here, Ask Him what He wants you to do next. For some of you, it may be to come to this altar and to pray and to leave some burdens or to, or to repent of some sins or to just ask Him to search your heart, whatever it is, and that's perfectly fine. For some of you, you have burdens on your, in your life, you have financial needs, you have a, a, a healing in your body, you have relationship issues, whatever it is that's going on, you can come and meet the Lord in this altar today. I'm going to ask the team to, to come and sing a song. We'll be dismissed together in just, a, in just a few minutes. But there is no more important five minutes of your day than these next five minutes. 
because you've been in his presence. You'd have to be dead not to, not to have sensed what God was doing in this place today, is doing in this place today. He's here. Let's honor his presence by reflecting on what he's saying to us as individuals right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, if there's a person in this place right now who does not know you, who may know about you, who may know of you, who may have read the book and agree with the book, but have never repented of their sins, never confessed that they're sinners, never committed themselves to following you for the rest of their lives. Lord, I pray that you draw that person to this altar right now, that they would surrender themselves totally and completely to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, for every other person that you want to meet in this altar, I pray that you would draw them right now. And for every one of us, search us and know us and, and speak the truth to us about ourselves right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.